to Running Is Bullshit. I'm Amy. And I'm Stuart, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running, and briefly, a top 100 sports podcast. Hooray! We were climbing up there. Is that internationally? No. No? No, no, of course not. (laughs) Just in the UK? It was only for a couple of days, so, you know, perhaps we'll get up there again. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Amy, what is your bullshit this week? So I'm actually building up my mileage. And I say it every oh, week, it's hell. happening, it's happening, it's happening, okay? I mean, is it actually, though? It is happening. I, I went for some runs, like, on a regular basis. I think I did four runs this week. So that, for me... Oh, my God. You're... I know. I, I, that's You're like, almost like a real runner. It's That's an elite schedule, that is, four runs. Four runs. That is, yeah. Four. Four Ooh. runs and the gym. So Goodness. that is, I'm basically Mo training. right now. Look at you. I know. You I, are literally Mo Farah. I am, I am. Um, I didn't go on my long run today, though, that's the only thing. I went for a shorter trail run instead, but I figure, you know, add some hills in, it's basically 10 miles. Four miles become 10 miles if you add a few hills in, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how Mo Farah does it as well. Exactly, that that's it. I, I actually, I'm in contact with Mo Farah and getting all my training plans from him, yeah. direct from Kenya. Yeah. Where he's and did, did he say, don't bother with a long run, he just said, do a hill? Yeah, he said, don't bother, mate. Just a gradual yeah. uh, incline, you'll be fine. You know, that's how he trains for where he does a London Marathon. It's that perfect. does sound like something Mo would say. Yeah. yeah, if you run 10 miles, you just get tired. You don't want to do that. You oh, no, yeah, it's hard work. You know, so... So what have you been up to, Stuart? Have you been running as much as I have? Uh, no, well, I'm not an elite athlete like you, so no. of course not. You don't want to risk injury. I've been going to the gym. I've been trying to go to the gym, and it's just hard. I don't know why people do it. I don't know how people just go to the gym. That's what the thing I really don't understand. You see people there that are obviously, they just they just go to the gym, mm. and they don't do anything with it. Like, to me, it seems a bit like if you're cooking, if you're making a cake, you mix all the ingredients together, you pour them into the tin... And then you just throw the whole thing away instead of cooking it. That's, yeah. to me, what is... That's going to the gym for no reason. Or just like yeah. going to the gym. It's, what the fuck is the point? The gym is cross-training. There, there is yeah. no... The gym is just cross-training. It's something you have to do. Yeah. It's not something you want to do. It's cross-training or you're injured. There's no There's no other reason for the gym. Yeah. I will admit, though, I have become a full-on gym wanker. I bought some lifting shoes. Ooh, I know. fancy. And as soon as I wore them to the, the gym, the, the guy that takes the um, the groups at my gym, the, the lifting groups, was like, right, you've got lifting shoes, so we're going to put a belt on you and we're going to get a squat PB today. And I was like, yeah, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, what is happening? So I had to wear one of those like proper belts and I felt yeah. I felt like I was in the world's strongest man competition. I felt, Were you calling everyone bro? <laughs> I was like walking around like with my, uh, you know, with my arms out, making out like I'm really wide and stuff. Like, oh, I can't get yeah. through this door. I'm so wide. I'm so stuck. So just yeah. high five and all your bros. I, I know, but I did get a squat PB. It was the belt. It was the belt and right. the shoes. That's all you need. Did you chest bump anyone afterwards? No, no. Just um, <laughs> I couldn't breathe you, afterwards. So. Okay, right, yeah. The belt was con- constricting. <laughs> yeah, so I went on the Tuesday and like my abs were still sore by the Saturday. Like I didn't sleep well on like Friday morning because my abs hurt so much. So yeah, that was horrible. That's the thing everything. about the gym as well. It interrupts your other training, doesn't it? Because you're just yeah. aching for so long afterwards. Well, I used to go to the same lifting place you did and I just had to stop because I just can't do heavy stuff because it just killed me for two or three days afterwards. Even going twice a week, I just couldn't do anything else. Mm. So, gyms are bullshit. Gyms are bullshit. There we go. Hot take. Uh, it's great. We've had some more running is BS buffs sent out. We've just sent them out to USA and to Guernsey, which is, it's basically a foreign country, isn't it, Guernsey? It's France, isn't it? So, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, is it France? Like it's basically it's basically <laughs> France. It's right next to it. Did you send it en français? I, I did not. Well, because something <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, we got all around the world. Our first one to America, which is pretty amazing. So I expect uh, another few million orders quite soon. Yeah, because they probably know all the other Americans. Are their births still available? Of course, there are buffs still available. There are always buffs available. Get in contact if you would like a buff. <laughs> I say, of course, they're available. Like, no, of course, there are because we've hardly sold any. Please buy more. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's totally not that. <laughs> it, it's, it's supply and demand. You gotta say no. They're selling really fast. Get in there. Oh, well, on oh, you need to yeah. need to do it quickly. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Um, actually, I did see a buff in the wild. That was quite nice. Gosh, where I had was a little this? chat too. David at the Murder Mile, which we do need to talk about as well, because last time we were both like, yeah, we're going to do the Murder Mile. Amy was all like, oh, we can record audio at the time. It'll be great. Yeah, I'm going to do that race. Oh, think of all the content we got. Um, what did you do instead, Amy? Did I had a ga- go... games night. So you were with your other so-called friends? Yeah. Not I, doing running? I was playing Ticket to Ride. Um, actually, mainly just Ticket to Ride. We had to cut it short a bit because it was taking too long, but yeah. That's what I was doing. Anyone play Ticket to Ride? Get in contact. I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> okay, I have. Uh, I do want to talk about it, but not here. <laughs> it's not the place. It's a good day. I mean, the, the title of this race is called The Murder Mile. Why would I yeah. want to do that? Because it's fun. No. I went there. I didn't I didn't actually run it. <laughs> right, okay. I just went okay, there. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. I supported people. No. That was pretty good. Uh, hills are not my friend at the moment with my ongoing boring injuries uh hills are not my friend so literally just a hill for a mile is not a good idea so anyway i did see um bullshit uh, david brown unfortunately the first time he said hello to me he was just going past he went oh Stuart, and i was like because just, just as he did that um sbc was running past she was sprinting to the finish in second place so i'm taking photos and trying to cheer at the same time I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry hang on just wait i do well, yeah well done well done so it was very complicated but i did catch him at the end and had a little chat and that was great hey my first buff in the wild of a random so that's good sorry david you're not a random <laughs> We've had, of course, a few messages over the last few weeks as well. And thank you to all of those people that have been recommending us to other randoms on Twitter. That's always nice. We get notifications every now and then that just say, oh, listen to this podcast. It's really great. And we, we like doing that because uh, more people listen and more people spread the bullshit. That's great. Amy, what messages have we had? Well, following last week's Pinskin Man, which I'm loving that. Pinskin Man. Is that is pin that the nickname man. we're going for? The Pinskin Man. That's what we're calling him. So the pin bloke who, who pinned... A number to his a race number to his bare chest, which is in a hundred mile race. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that is the other thing because it's not just like a mile or a five k. These guys endure that. It's a yeah. hundred miles. Um. Uh. Anyway, Nick Edwards named her Strava segment "Who the fuck pins a race number to their bare chest?" Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Um. I'm pretty sure a lot of people probably didn't get that on her Strava, but hopefully <laughs> she's told them all about the episode. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, are there any other bullshit-inspired Strava runs or segments? Has anyone named their Strava run after a, a bullshit thing? I did have a little look. Um, there is a segment called Bullshit in Castle, Maine, Australia, but that's just like 150 meters up a five percent hill, which doesn't even sound that bullshit to no. me. Perhaps there's like killer kangaroos there or something. Uh, that's boring. And there's also a Bullshit Hill near Anaheim in California, which is 110 meters with a 17 percent gradient, which mm. is a little bit. I was surprised. I thought there'd be more bullshit segments, but perhaps Strava yeah. have a. Perhaps they're cracking down on that a bit more because the naughty language. Naughty language. Naughty language. 
So if anyone else has any Strava-based bullshittery, we definitely want to see that. Definitely. Rob Stokes on Facebook got in touch to say, I was typing a long message to a friend straight after a run, and I was just about to hit send when a drop of sweat from my head landed on delete. I frantically tried to stop my phone, but it was no good, and the whole message was erased, so sweating is bullshit. And I sweat like the guy from the Lynx advert when I run, crying laughing emoji. How did that happen? Yeah, it... Yeah, that that is quite precise. Does his well, phone have a big delete all button on the middle of the <laughs> yeah, keyboard? Yeah, I thought that because. So I don't even understand how he's done that. Um, and it's one of those things you could never do that if you tried. It's just one of those random things that is never going to happen again to anyone. No, no, exactly. <laughs> At Emma Hollingdra two, um, what happened to Emma Hollingdra one? I'm wondering. Mm. Uh, that was already taken. It's a very popular name. Oh, obviously. <laughs> um, so Emma says. I discovered your fabulous podcast just before Endure 24 and had them downloaded to listen to through the night. Things didn't go as planned and I fell on my second lap, fractured my fifth metatarsal and have been in a leg boot getting increasingly frustrated ever since. Thanks for making me smile through the frustration. Hopefully I'll be back running in October. Oh, Emma! Let this be a warning to all listeners. If you try and listen to this throughout a 24-hour race your body is going to rebel against you and break your bones yeah that's yeah. the only explanation it's the only explanation at why least wouldn't it, you listen to something uplifting something positive yeah. why would you listen to this well at least you wasn't running in the middle of the night in the dark on a trail in new zealand day eh? while pregnant yes that's true <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's another one of our top tips we can uh, write down there but oh fracturing messed up been in a leg boot Oh, that's annoying. With we just us listen to that's surely banned under the Geneva Convention or something, isn't it? Being you'd hope so. Unable to move and having to listen to us drone on. Cruel and unusual, definitely. <laughs> Matt Barton at Matt Barton underscore says, "I saw an advert for a pair of shorts the other day and thought they looked rather dashing, so I clicked the ad and they were eighty bastard quid for a pair of shorts. Just one pair, eighty quid. That was his emphasis there, which I've emphasised." That's mad. I mean, the price of some running kit is just insane. Although I do keep getting advertisements on Instagram on my, you know, those um, targeted advertisements you get. Some quite nice looking pairs of shorts. And they click on it and go through to the profile. And it's just like very muscly men wearing them. And it's obviously aimed at gay men. But they look like nice (laughs) running shorts. So I'm kind of conflicted because they have a certain audience. It's just like big buff dudes wearing them, but not yeah. dudes going to the gym. It's like, you know, so um, if anyone else has had the same sort of thing, you'll know what I mean. I don't know whether it's just targeted to me or not, and if so, why? But the thing is, you've been clicking on them, and that's the problem. You don't click on them. But they look like nice Cause... shorts. They look like nice running shorts. But yeah, but don't play the game. Oh. You click on them, you're going to get more of those ads now. They think, oh, there's there's something in a, in a database somewhere that says, Amy Genders loves gay men in shorts. <laughs> Keep sending him more of that. But if you know, you know. It. If you know, you know. They're nice shorts. They look like nice shorts. And I am very tempted, even though I'm obviously not the target audience. <laughs> well, they think you are now. You're going to get them forever. Sorry. <laughs> Nick at Nikki72. I spent the last two days running the Essex Way, covered 93 miles. It's all right. Towards the end, I saw giant cows on the path ahead. Cows are BS. We've, we've established this before, haven't we? Cows are we have, BS. Yes. Yep. Uh, when I got closer, turned out they were just normal sized sheep. Laughing emoji face. Oh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's really dumb. That's Sorry, Nikki, but that's 
fucking hell. You don't know the difference between a normal sized sheep and a giant cow. I mean, have you seen Father Ted? I mean, that that can be explained to you quite simply there. (laughs) Well, towards the end of running that distance, I can imagine you started to see some strange things. I mean, I was starting to hallucinate after just 40 miles. So I can't even imagine. I'd be seeing all sorts. You just slipped in there. You did 40 miles. Uh, Yeah, you know, when I just ran 40 miles, I was seeing all sorts of things. You know how it is when you run 40 miles. Well, well, yes, of course, with all your experience. Yeah, yeah, you know know how it is at the end of an ultra. We all know. Yeah, classic. (laughs) We had a question from Max Carnage. He says, for you both, how much of a motivation is the aesthetic appeal of the route you'll be drawing in Strava during your run? Does it affect your route choice whilst out? And do you plan in advance? No. No. And if you do, you're Just, mad. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong? What? No. I mean, sometimes I will go out to draw a Strava penis or during the World Cup last year, I did draw It's Coming Home in Strava because that's funny. Mm-hmm. But just generally, does does the aesthetic appeal of the route affect my... Pl- no. Of course it doesn't. No, I'm not sure whether I mentioned this on the podcast or just to you, Stuart, last time. So cut it out if I've already mentioned it. But about the Nike draw a route competition they had when it was the old Nike. Um, Nike used to have this training app before Strava mm. like blew up. A lot of people used it. So that's what I used when I first started running. And they had a competition where like you could draw a route on it. Um, so I printed out a map of my local area. And I was like, right, what can I draw? And it took me hours and I was trying to figure it out. And I was like, and in the end, I drew a running stick man, which I still have somewhere so I can, you know, yeah, post yeah, a picture amazing. on Twitter to illustrate it. Yes, and it's, it, it's, it's quite frustrating because one leg is longer than I anticipated, but I spent oh. so long running up and down these roads. I thought, fuck it, that will do. That will do. You can see it's a running yeah. man. And I was really chuffed with myself. Just a running stick man. Yeah, I bet. Um, so I submitted it to Nike, really proud, I thought that's it. I, I, the prize was some shoes, so I thought that's it. I'm going to win that's these in the shoes. Bag. It's in the bag, it's in the bag. My running yeah. stick man with the extra long leg is in the bag. Um, anyway, when they announced the winners, I realised what a fool I had been. <laughs> the most elaborate, like there were like dragons and, and all sorts. The most elaborate pictures you have ever seen. And there was me and my running stick man, which I'll have to dig out from my computer, but... Yeah. yeah, so no, I don't go out to draw specific things on Strava. Definitely not. No. Yeah, as I said, occasionally I will go out to do a specific thing or I'll add it in. But just like generally the route, if it's going to be a bit square or a bit round, no, that's that's really weird. I mean, does anyone else do that? Or is that is that Max Carnage saying that he does do that and he's trying to validate himself <laughs> by trying to get other people to say they do it and it's not weird? I know there are, there are accounts like for Strava art, but... <sighs> art is a strong word. Okay, so speaking of weird things, if you listened last time, we spoke to Tom Fairbrother, and as we mentioned before, the pinskin man who <laughs> pinned his race number to his bare chest. I have seen the photos. They are just as disturbing. It was nice and high on the chest, on his kind of pecs. And to be fair, guy's got a lovely body, uh, but I think he knows it just a little bit too much. So we asked, what are the weirdest things you've seen out on a run uh, and Amy has gone through them all, and she has chosen her top five. I have indeed, and I've done it in like descending order from five to one. Um, spoiler How alert! How exciting! I, I know, I know. It's like yeah. a countdown. It's like Eurovision or something. Um, oh spoiler alert, though, there was nothing as weird as Pinskin Man. I'm afraid to say. So just keep that in mind. If you have something as weird as Pinskin Man or weirder, please do get in touch. Because I'm not sure if anything can top yeah. it. No, that'll be a good one. That's a good ongoing one, a quest for us there. Like, these are weird, but nothing is weird. That Just to dampen the mood a bit, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Just to ruin the countdown in advance. (laughs) 
just to <laughs> lower expectations. Well, the bar's been raised way too high. But yeah, just to set some expectations. Yeah. If you're thinking of running through the night and throwing yourself on the floor and breaking something, you might as well do it now. Yeah. Because nothing good's coming up. Doesn't get any better. I'm disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so at number five, we've got from 227 Liz. That's at Gambrinus9994. So they said that they saw two young lasses on Cathedral Road in Cardiff dressed as what I can only describe as sexy Santa, smoking weed in june it's pretty weird it's pretty weird it's, it's the in june bit if it was you know christmas time we'd be like fair fair enough you know but it's the uh, to be fair, if you know cardiff probably not that weird no but as i was saying i think pins again like we just our expectations are way too high at the moment so way too high that's yeah. number five number four v robinson at i underscore am underscore vic he said i once had a massive rabbit run out from under a hedge smack bang into my leg and I saw a dog that, that that was like, that was okay. I was like, yeah, that's a bit weird. That's, good. you know, that's pretty good. But this was the weird bit. And I saw a dog carrying a bag of corn in its mouth once. <laughs> he was good. You didn't need the rabbit bit, bit, Vic. Just the dog bit. Because it reminds me as well, I saw a dog once carrying a packet of biscuits. Again, I don't know if this what is kind a of story. I, this was the thing, right? I don't know if this is a story I've told in this podcast before, like my other stories. Because um, I only have a few weird running stories. Cause I don't run a lot. <laughs> Um, no, but you don't. I was doing a, a, this long run, this challenge thing where I was going from Cardiff Bay to Cardiff Airport, which is a long way for me. So yeah. I got to the point in the room where I was feeling a bit delirious again, hallucinating. And this dog came around the corner with a packet of biscuits in its in its mouth. And it just went past us, it was just like trotting on it. And me and my friend turned to each other and said, Is that dog carrying a packet of biscuits? <laughs> and we sprinted off after this dog. I'm like, Where is it going? Is it delivering the biscuits? You're very hungry as well. What was going on? So yeah, I, uh, it is weird. But a bag of corn. Where? Where? I would like to know whether that was mince, whether that was the pieces, whether that was yeah. the nuggets. I would like to know a bit of detail. And she says as well, he was a good dog, of course, because they're all good dogs. Yeah, I, I, I this vision of dogs that have been trained to go to the shop and get things for their owners and that'd be great. Living the dream. Oh, if yeah. I could do that, get a dog to go. You could just the call the shop in advance and yeah. say, oh. um uh, Dave's coming round. Yeah. Can you just give him a bag of mints? That'd be note, terrific. Put a note in its thing. And, oh, oh, that'd be lovely. Living the dream. Right, anyway, on from dogs. At oh, number yeah. three. Yeah, move on. At number three, we have Sophie Reynold. At Sophie Reynold. I once saw a guy training squirrels in Hyde Park. Now, my question here, Sophie, is what was he training them to do? Yes. It's very vague. Was he training them to race? Was he training them to assassinate... And was it like Someone? one or two, or was there like a hundred in yeah. a formation? Because that would be amazing. <laughs> I imagine like a hundred with like little sticks doing like uh, kind of kung fu moves in like yeah. in sync with each other. Yeah. That would be good. Number two. So we're getting we're getting down. It's getting weirder and weirder now, but not that weird. Not as weird as Kim Pimba. No. Yeah, um, thanks, Amy. <laughs> at number two, we have Gareth Key at Gaz Key. At San Dom 20, I saw a man answering nature's call, as you do but decided to do so on the side of the run route where there was no trees and bizarrely took all his clothes off. Although Although he did say sorry when we all ran past. Oh, that's fine then. That's terrific. He took all of his clothes off. How bizarre. (laughs) Was he answering nature's call like doing a pee or was he like crouched down like doing a poo? I mean, either way, to take... To take like your t- 
I assume he took his top off. He oh, wasn't yeah. like Pinskin Man like, going shirtless. Naked. I'm like, oh, I need, need to have a quick poo. Take my top off. Because there are people Next to the root. who, when they're at home, get completely nude to have a shit. Because like, I've heard that is a thing. So I wonder whether he's one of those people and he was having a poo at the side of the road and thought, oh, I need to strip off everything. Do people do that? Yeah, I saw this thing on Reddit and it was like some people strip completely nude to have a shit. Oh, saw it on Reddit, fucking hell. What, do they take the socks off? Oh, I don't know about socks, but everything else comes off. That's the thing. Did this man take his socks off from his shoes? Yeah. That's weird, man. <laughs> oh, that's so so many more. As with so many of these things, we just end up with so many more questions. Uh, exactly. More questions than answers, really. Wow. Okay. So what tops that? Well, now I'm not sure. <laughs> now I'm not sure I've made the right choice. <laughs> but anyway, Mark Atkinson, run like duck, our mate Monty the Mole. Um, he's got the number one spot. He said... Well, I'll read it as it's written. Dead sheep. Bloke in front thought it was a stepping stone to cross the stream. (laughs) Warned me it was a bit wobbly, that last rock. It was a fucking dead sheep. And I stared into its cold, dead eyes. Now, does that top naked pooing man or weeing man? A stepping stone dead sheep is very niche. That is pretty weird. (laughs) That is is pretty pretty weird. weird. Pretty weird. I suppose there's a a difference here between weird things and weird runners. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's a lot of weird runners, but that is, seeing a dead sheep, possibly not that rare in certain places, Mm. but to stand on one to cross a stream is amazing. It's a bit wobbly. Watch that last stone, it's a bit wobbly. It's like Imagine just looking up at you, the disgust in its eyes. What are you doing? Uh, wow okay and there's also i've added which is an extra one here because we had quite a lot an honorary mention here to james adams at james r adams he said quite often at night run past doggers quite useful actually if you need to top up on your loop <laughs> there is another running is bs top tip james. just knock on the window and uh well if the window's been open perhaps just reach in i think that's the the code isn't it <laughs> if the window's that's my understanding i don't know uh, yeah, I think if you live in certain certain rural communities, that is a, a thing that you may yes. see when running at night. But yeah, very handy. Uh, as we said, none of them beat Pinskin Man. We no. want to know if you've got anything that does. Yeah. And we want fucking weird. I mean, seriously weird. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got little... We'll take the little weird things as well. You know, we need something to talk about. Or have you ever been that weird person? <laughs> It's okay. You can Is anyone us. out there willing to pin their race number to their bare chest and send us photos? Please do not. Oh, God. Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> what if someone, like, gets an infection? And somebody gets sepsis and then we're in trouble. Would we be liable? Possibly. I don't think... Yeah. Oh, I think us oh. saying pin a race number to your bare chest and send us a picture is, is quite libelous, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I think you could argue that. It's time to move on. Bullshit running, bullshit running news, bullshit running news. Did it there? That was different. That was different. It was different. <laughs> it yeah. Was. Do you remember the tweet that said uh, your themes would be much better if you had ever heard music before? <laughs> it's kind of one of them. <laughs> it's experimental. It's like nothing anyone's ever heard before. That's what makes it unique. It- I can't I can't argue with that. Okay, um, first up, I mean, this is the actual like, serious bullshit running news. Mm-hmm. This isn't in, in any way actually funny at all. This is kind of a bit of a warning for running. A 45-year-old Norwegian female runner has died after being struck by lightning during a mountain race in Italy. 
Although the 121-kilometre ultramarathon had been stopped due to bad weather 30 minutes before the lightning strike, the runner was apparently between aid stations where she couldn't be reached and couldn't be instructed to take cover. God. Oh, that's a scary thing. Yeah, because it's obviously just quite bad luck of being stuck in between those aid stations. Yeah. And she didn't know it had been called off and didn't know. Because yeah. I'm surprised these things don't happen more often with, with ultra running because you are in I guess, yeah. quite exposed areas. Because you hear quite often about people being struck by lightning on uh, Penavan because um, you're so mm, exposed right. and the, the weather can change so quickly in those places. Yeah. Uh, but I'm surprised it doesn't happen more in, in ultra running. But yikes, yeah. That's terrible. Just another piece of news there to put people off running. Yeah. <laughs> A 55-year-old ultra runner has become the fastest woman to travel by foot between John O'Groats and Land's End. So Sharon Gator said she felt about 105 when she was finished, but was relieved after covering the 822 miles in 12 days, 11 hours, 6 minutes and 7 seconds as well. I mean, come on. You could have got it sub 5 minutes at the end, but all right. Yeah, come on. Yeah, she only had 90 minutes sleep on the last day, having averaged three hours a night because she wanted to beat the record by as much as possible. She did it by about four hours, but she was properly gunning for it. The maddest thing about this story is, though, that it says in the article that she's got to be back at work at 9am on Monday. I just book some annual leave off, you know? Well, she's already had two weeks off. Yeah, but usually you get like three plus weeks. She needs to, I'd book some annual leave. I book annual leave after a half marathon, so I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> well, she might have, she booked like a week off at Easter and then she had a few days over Christmas and she's looked at it. She thought, well, if I get it done under two weeks, I can, yeah. no problem, back to work Monday. <laughs> but she'll probably be all right with it because also she holds the overall world record running on a treadmill for seven days. She ran 517 miles. Oh. On a treadmill, that's on a on a treadmill, and that is the overall world record that's beating any men as well. She beat the female record by over a hundred miles. I guess just because not many people do it. I was why say, that yeah. Some people, some things that you get a world record in because it's mad. <laughs> no yeah. one wants to do that shit. <laughs> Next up, we have twenty-year-old Barbados runner Jonathan Jones who crossed the finish line after running a 400-metre PB at the IAAF Monaco Diamond League, only to realise he hadn't heard the false start gun. (laughs) So he uh, ran the 400 metres in 44.64 seconds, only to raise his arms in surprise as he crossed the finish line and saw all of his competitors at the start line. Oh, (laughs) God. Jones was running in the outer lane and continued to run alongside two of his competitors after he didn't hear the false start gun. Damn. <laughs> That's amazing. What I love is I kind of first scanned the article and I saw that he'd done that and I, I mean, you know, it must have been a small thing. I looked again. This was the Diamond League. Yeah. And he he ran the whole thing. Well, you know, they say you run your own race. 400 metres, you've got to run your own race. Ignore what's happening around you. He was in the outer lane as well. So we just thought, I'm on a cracker time. I'm going to win this. There's all these great runners inside me and I am fucking smashing them. And then they're all just at the end like, sorry, mate, what have you done? Oh, my God. See, the thing is, <laughs> false, false starts are quite common in those sorts of distances. So I'm surprised yeah, that he wasn't expecting Not so much it. in the 400, but you'd still, yeah. there's something wrong there with their speaker system, I guess. Possibly. But how could they, in the Monaco Diamond League, you'd not expect them to get that wrong. No, no. Bless him. <laughs> And previously in another episode, we've talked about virtual races. And, you know, we said, actually, we kind of came to the conclusion that virtual races can be pretty positive and they can come with a whole load of extras. And, you know, they're pretty good, actually. Well, we're about to shit all over that. 
Strava are really pushing a Lululemon virtual half marathon with all kinds of like ridiculous flowery language about spiritual running and clearing your head. However, all the bit I could see was a non-refundable, non-transferable $28 entry fee. And what do you get for that? You get a medal, obviously, very nice medals. Uh, the previous ones do look pretty nice, to be fair. You get a digital Strava badge. Oh. Yeah, and and you get and you get fuck all else. That's it. Um, from that twenty-eight dollars, they donate one dollar from each entry to a charity, and you have to register with Lululemon, so they get all your personal details. Um, so thanks to Francis Snowding for flagging this up to us, and Paul Rye. 274626.05 pithy name for pointing out they've currently had just before um, we recorded I checked 3,982 registrants so that is Lululemon have made $107,000 and 4,000 has gone to a charity Jeez. that is such bullshit yeah you're paying just for a medal and, and a Strava badge a half marathon you can do any time during a week all you have to do is just run it send it to them they will send you a, a medal for $28. Yeah, so I looked up this online and I saw it was called the Sea Wheeze Half Marathon. Sea Wheeze. Yeah, Sea Wheeze. Like, like Sea Breeze, but like Wheeze is and you can't breathe. Like, which I guess is what they're trying to go for. I, I thought guess. That, I thought that's a weird name. What's it got to do with the sea? And I looked and I realised this is an actual race that's happening in... Um, do you yeah. know where it's happening? I can't remember where it's happening. Uh, yeah, it's in Vancouver. Yeah, that's it, Vancouver. So obviously the name is a play on words because it's obviously near the, taking place near the sea, I assume. And I yeah. thought, so there's an actual race happening and what they're saying is, you don't have to come to this actual race. Just run, run the distance anywhere and get a medal. And I thought... How fucking stupid is that? Why would you do that? It's like saying, oh, don't come to London Marathon. Just run a marathon somewhere else and we'll send you a London Marathon medal. It's like, what? And then pay £40 to do so. It's like, what? Yeah, do you want me to read you the uh, the first paragraph on their yeah, uh, website about this race? You yeah. love this, right? I'm going to get into this as well. Seawees isn't your average half marathon. What? In fact, it may just be the most breathtakingly beautiful and ridiculously fun half marathon in the world. Over 10,000 runners descend on Vancouver to sweat it out over a weekend of yoga, running, and of course, one hell of an awesome party. Prepare to harness your powers of positivity, physicality, and mindfulness, all while taking in next-level natural beauty. Crush some goals, and maybe a few brews, and get swept away in a weekend of fun you'll never forget. Jesus. Do you want to know how much all that costs? Yeah, go for it. $178. $178. Oh my god, so you are getting quite a big discount by doing it in your own time. Like, that's... What the fuck? So you have to do the weekend. That's for the whole weekend. You can't just turn up and run a race. It's like, oh. Yeah, that's entry to the fe- the Sunset Festival, where you'll eat, drink, and get your dance on. Get your dance on. What a... That is the biggest load of bollocks I've ever heard. What I the know, hell? I know, I know. Cr- what was it? Crush and bruise? Like... What? Yeah, cheeky. Oh, cheeky. Crush some brews with the lads. That sounds bloody awful. I I know. <laughs> yeah. it's Let's just say it's not our thing. We're probably not going to do that. No, I, to be honest, like, I understand running festivals if there's running events that surround a race or a series of races. Like, they have trail running festivals. But to have a race and then put all this crap around it that's kind of to do with running but not really to try and sell your wanky products it's just a load of bollocks <laughs> yeah yeah and it's being advertised through strava so they're going to reach a huge audience as well so that's probably what most of your entry fee is actually paying for is just for the marketing yeah 
Well, yeah, that's how these massive companies work, don't they? It's just, uh, yeah, what a load of shit. Uh, so that's our, that's our bullshit running news, just to get ourselves nice <laughs> and angry. Uh, but we do have a bullshit headline of the week hey. from Runner's World. Hey. The article, guess which Love Island contestants are runners? Ooh. No, no, fuck off. <laughs> I did, Not even going to click it. I did click the article. I don't, oh, no. I don't watch Love Island, never have done. Didn't know who any of these people were. But yeah, as you can imagine, I clicked it so no one else had to. It's the worst article you could ever think of because, believe it or not, a lot of people run. A lot of people have run a half marathon. So the chances of someone who's ever been in Love Island of having run some form of race are quite high. So they made it out like, oh, guess what? These people actually have run a race. It's like, no one cares. It's just pictures on their Instagram at like half marathons and London marathons and stuff. It's, yeah, total wank. Uh, full disclosure, I have, I, I, I'm not going to say I've watched an episode of Love Island. I've been in the room while one was on. I did my best to ignore it, but I still got very angry. I mean, I'm not slagging off Love Island. I understand it's like, quite addictive. I am. Whatever. I just think articles like this. But it's like the article, this might have been run as well, but I don't want to, you know, it might not have been. They came out, it's like, which um, prime minister or president could you beat in a 5k? And it was bizarre because at first I thought, this sounds great. It's like, no, sorry, it was politician because there was like MPs in there. Yeah, yeah. I thought this sounds quite interesting because maybe they've got actual stats like from park runs they might have done or mm. anything that were races. But it wasn't. It was just like guesstimates. <laughs> and like oh. Putin was on there with like a really fast 5K time. It's like, well, he likes to keep fit. <laughs> what? I like, you've got no evidence of this. How would you know? I believe Justin Trudeau. Canada Prime yes. Minister, he's got a bit of a... He's, yeah. he's a decent runner, he apparently. He was the only one on there that was, like, legit. And you could think, yeah, because he's actually run before. So they had actual stats yeah. on him. But then there was just a load of other politicians. You're like, where are you getting this information? You're just making this up. Based just on, making shit uh, up. Boris Johnson was on there, just because he's been through uh, a few runs. But there was no, like, uh, official statistics on him. But, yeah, it's a wanking it. Got to get some clicks. Got to get some clicks. If you listened last time, you heard Tom Fairbrother talking about how he was, unfortunately, disqualified from Race to the Stones. But there was a second part to the interview, which we split because it was really long, but really, really good. Um, So here is Tom again for part two, telling us a bit more about his backstory and what happened to him back in 2013. Yeah, yeah. So um, I kind of got into running. I did my first sort of ever. I was always a footballer and a golfer growing up. Um, I did my first 10k in 2011, just my local 10k. Um, I think I ran. It's about 36 minutes, and then I didn't really run. I didn't run another race until the following, the same race, the same year. And I ran. I think it's about 34 minutes. And someone from the local sorry, run already. Sorry, a lot of our listeners have lost sympathy for you straight away. <laughs> Your first 10k in 36 minutes. Oh, I mean, I've no, been running on. a lot. I, you know, definitely wasn't. Okay. You know, I've been running um, a lot, kind of to keep me fit for football. Um, I just never, you know, ever done a timed run. Yes, it was after that second race that the, the local running club came over and kind of like you should, you know, join us and come and train, which is what I did in 2012, and I did kind of loads of races that year, like kind of local races uh, back in Suffolk where I'm from. And yeah, you know, as as most runners do, kind of as soon as I had a clue what I was doing, I got kind of got quicker a lot faster, you know, with, with some proper training and advice and, you know, not trying to race like four days in a row and all that silly stuff that <laughs> you do when you're excited. Um, so I did, yeah, I did my first marathon that autumn. Um, 
I said blew up with a few miles to go, but I it kind of got the bug for sure. Um, and I was starting uh, uni the following September. So I kind of had like 10 or 11 months um, where I essentially I'd managed to save some money up from a previous job. And I had kind of 10 months to until I kind of had to commit to something. So I decided to go out to Kenya for three months um, to do some running uh, kind of from January to March. So I got out there. Um, yeah, it was like exactly how it looks on TV and, you know, in all these running documentaries, like there's just literally runners everywhere, really, really fast runners. Um, yeah, so I went out there. Um, I was injured. I got. I still hadn't really got over the injury that I'd got towards the end of the marathon, um, but I'd already booked the trip. So when I got out there, I wasn't really running. Um, and I just got chatting to a coach who said... Um, he got chatting about uh, race weight and kind of he asked me how much I weighed and I told him, you know, and he was like, well, if you lose, you know, X amount of kilos, you know, I think you'll be even faster, um, which was kind of, you know, quite a sort of odd thing to say, you know, someone you just met. But I kind of, I think I was injured and I wasn't running and I was surrounded by, you know, these like elite athletes. So it, it just kind of stuck with me. Um, so I started cutting down on what I was eating a little bit and then sort of skipping the odd meal um like just sort of determined to get to this weight um in this in the hope that it would be like kind of my ticket to stardom um kind of it just became like a, an obsession really so when I, I came back from Kenya after a month just because I was still unable to run and I just missed home and um when I, I thought when I get home and I'm surrounded by you know like family and back leaving at home you know it would just be like a phase that I would go through but it just got worse when I came back, you know, and I was weighing myself, you know, all the time and cutting down more and more on what I was eating. You know, I'd go like two or three days sometimes without eating anything. But by this point, I was back running, you know, probably 80, 90, 100 miles a week. Um, so my weight absolutely plummeted. You know, I was incredibly unwell, kind of physically. I was very, very underweight. And mentally, you know, it was just absolutely spiralling in terms of just obsessed with food. And then, you know, if people think, I think a misconception about eating disorders is that it just affects at meal times. But obviously, it's 24-7. Like, as soon as you wake up, you're thinking, you know, how am I going to get out of meals? What excuses can I make up? You know, how late can I put off eating something? Um, and then you start avoiding situations involving food. So, you know, going out for a coffee with friends or barbecues or birthday meals or weddings, you know. So for two years, I, yeah, I eventually developed bulimia. So initially I was probably, um, I guess what you would class as anorexic in terms of just severe restricting my intake and over-exercising. But then that became unsustainable. So I then just developed bulimia from that. Um, so for two years that went on. Um, you know, I continued to run and train all throughout that, which looking back was really dangerous because I was, you know, severely, severely kind of malnourished and underweight. Um, and that went on. Yeah. So for two years that went on, you know, eventually, it, well, as inevitably it was going to my running kind of went down the pan as well because I was just so injured all the time, exhausted, you know, I wasn't sleeping, you know, I'd wake up in the night with hunger pains and all that sort of stuff and um it was only when I went so I went to the dentist at the end of 2014 with some toothache and the dentist 
you know, it was like you're going to need quite a lot of work done. You know, you, you've lost 75% of your front teeth uh, for erosion because obviously I'd been making myself sick so often that I'd essentially eroded away my front teeth. So he called me to one side after the appointment and just said, you know, can I ask you a question? You know, he said, you're really, really underweight. You know, you've told me you run a lot. The, the erosion on your teeth is only ever caused by kind of acid reflux, you know, it's a heartburn or, you know, um, bulimia. So he just said, flat out asked me, are you making yourself sick? And I was, you know, couldn't really lie, you know, it was black and white, I couldn't deny it. Um, and he was like, you know, we can definitely get you help to sort your, your teeth out, but you know, this has to stop, but you have to, this is all gonna be pointless if you don't stop. Um, so yeah, it was a real, like I remember, I can still vividly remember sitting in the car after the appointment, just thinking, you know, this is gonna be, the hardest thing I've ever done to try and stop this because you know I do think there's a perception that eating disorders are kind of a trivial issue and it's just you know maybe teenagers who are a little bit body conscious but that is like it's to- couldn't be further from the truth you know it's they're serious mental illnesses I think they kill more than any other psychiatric um illness you know so but I was so embarrassed at this point because I was at this point I was 24 no 26 I think um, and I was like how am I going to tell people that I'm you know a 26 year old man with an eating disorder like I'm just going to be laughed at and so I, initially I didn't tell anyone I did go and see my GP but for no, and the further nine months I didn't tell anyone so it was just the doctor and the dentist who knew and I just slowly started kind of trying to keep my food down like I had to distract myself after meal so I'd always make sure I had like a social commitment so I was going out like every single night because I knew that you know I guess it's like a smoker trying to break the habit I knew I had to get out of the habit of kind of making myself sick after meals so I physically just made sure I was out and couldn't and then really really quickly uh, as it as you would expect my running re- dramatically improved because suddenly you know I had energy you know I was like a and an analogy, I guess, is like I was a kind of a Formula One car without any petrol. You know, like suddenly I was putting petrol in the tank and I was just like, where is all this energy come from? You know, like I suddenly start really quickly. I started running like all time personal bests and, you know, I was stronger. I was sleeping better. You know, I was less injury prone. And that all just reinforced to me like this. The weight was just irrelevant. Like it was just you know, the most important thing was for me to be healthy and happy. And then running would come with that um which it did and then eventually i did tell my family kind of a few few months down the line um and they were all really really supportive and kind of since then touchwood it's all been relatively smooth sailing like i haven't relapsed at all um you know i've been quite open and public about my experience to try and help others um we've set up a campaign called train brave um with a dietitian called Rini McGregor um, to try and help other athletes understand that, you know, just because you see, you know, these really, really highly trained kind of Kenyan athletes or, you know, elite athletes winning races actually don't need to be stick thin to be a runner. Like the most important thing is to be kind of happy and healthy and be strong and have energy and be able to sustain your training and recover and um, yes, yeah, so I'm trying to now just kind of turn it into a positive, really, and 
doing that also help is quite selfish because that does also help me continue on the kind of right path as well so yeah it definitely was a, a pretty horrendous experience it kind of makes you appreciate kind of your friends and stuff and you know I was I can remember messaging them to tell them but I didn't want to tell them so I created set up a just giving page wrote like just poured my heart onto a just giving page sent them to it in a whatsapp and then turned my phone off <laughs> and I was like as soon as I turn my phone on like I'm gonna have no friends um and then I turned it on a few hours later and it was just like all these amazingly positive messages and um, it makes you realise it's actually this is a really common issue amongst runners especially um, I don't think it gets enough attention um, so we'll, through the campaign we're just trying to educate people and coaches and kind of call out people when they're promoting that kind of message that you need to be skinny and you know the, the key thing is you know clearly if you are severely overweight losing weight will make you run faster but the key message is that that's not like a linear journey. And there does come a point where continuing to lose weight is detrimental to your running, but more importantly to your health in terms of bone density and stress fractures and kind of internal organs. And these are really, really serious illnesses. Like, you know, eating disorders do kill thousands of people every year. And I think just trying to get that message across um, is kind of what I've been focused on kind of since uh, 2014, really. Sorry, that got a bit deep right. all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that. That was, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I think one of the main things I was kind of fascinated by there was the fact you actually just went through it all on your own mm. and you did your recovery on your own without telling anyone. Yeah. And I guess without too much medical intervention? Yeah, I mean, a lot large portion of that was just out of embarrassment. Like I was genuinely for like most people do that I was like well eating saunas are these things that affect teenage girls who read glossy magazines you know not men like me like as soon as I tell someone they're going to laugh at me and I'm going to be you know kind of humiliated so you know I was ashamed of what has happened to me so I almost felt like I didn't deserve help and I didn't want to talk to people and you know and I was very fortunate I think the key point here for me is that I was very fortunate in a way that my teeth gave up first. You know, I've had to have six, uh, my front six teeth replaced because they were just stubs. So clearly it's not a minor thing that I've been through. But for a lot of people, the first, they'll, the first thing that will happen to them might be they have organ failure or stress fractures or, you know, you hear so many sad stories where runners you know are never able to run again because their bone density is that of you know pensioners because they've just mm. denied their body so much for so long whilst punishing it yeah so I, I think a lot of I did see a psychiatrist so I had therapy for a few months on a kind of fortnightly basis just to address kind of like kind of the reasons behind why I um, was still feeling feeling like that in terms of my self-worth and but I was just very fortunate that medically it was just my teeth that packed in first and not something more more serious but it, the key point is that that doesn't mean for everyone else will be as you know lucky as I was it's sadly for too many people it's a lot more serious 
Yeah, so um, how can we better support runners who might be at risk? Because as you say, it it is an issue that does affect runners, I'm sure, other athletes as well. And I suppose sometimes conventional wisdom might be to not run because you're burning more calories and all those and it might exasperate things. So how can we better support runners? It's kind of, I don't think there's one sort of single way to kind of address the issue. Um, There's definitely a cultural issue kind of maybe amongst runners or amongst uh clubs that kind of you do need to be lighter and that losing weight is a good thing and you know that's sometimes fueled by kind of what we read in running magazines or what you see kind of bloggers or these influencers talking about um so big thing i guess is understanding where you're getting your advice from so just because someone has 50,000 instagram followers doesn't mean they know what they're talking about it means they're popular but you shouldn't rely on someone for nutritional advice who you know and training advice maybe just understanding where you're getting your advice from is an important thing and I think clubs can certainly help by not a lot of clubs will continue to maybe put emphasis on the faster runners and that can you know um, create a kind of situation where you feel like you need you're not enough as you are and you need to look a certain way or be a certain way and yeah I think it's a mold, definitely a multifaceted issue which is clearly obviously I'd like to just say there was one thing we could do but I guess just um just everyone's trying to be more open and understand where you get stuff from and just understanding how much you are um I think as runners we're very almost blase to how much exercise we do um you know compared to your average person you know, we might think, oh, just that it's just a you know a ten k jog. It's not that much to us, but you know, in reality, in terms of how much energy you need, I think we all, you know, need to eat, eat more. I know that's a nice, that's probably good advice for lots of people, but I think we love I think yeah. I think there's maybe just a misunderstanding about how much energy you actually need to be, you know, um, running these long races or fast races or whatever. So. Um, again, that probably just comes back to knowing where you're getting your advice from. Yeah. So what are the things, if we're running with people regularly, are there things we can look out for that means we could potentially help them if we suspect something? Yeah, I mean, it is a tricky one because obviously you don't want to just be calling people out because it is a, it can be a tricky issue, but also you need to be a good friend in terms of, you know, just talking to people, listening to people, you know, recognising symptoms like if someone really, really struggles to take rest days or, you know, is often like sort of skipping, doing a lot of fasted training and then skipping meals after runs and there's kind of little things that are maybe warning signs. But I think just talking to people and listening to people and just asking people how they are, I think that's really, really important. Um but yeah, I do, I do, we, we, I get this question a lot, you know, like I'm, I'm concerned about someone, kind of what can I do? And I think the, the most important thing is just to like approach people in a non-confrontational way and just sort of say, you know, that you are concerned and, but you know, you want to help and just emphasise how much better things can be if they are healthy rather than just focusing on things they're doing, you know, rather than saying, oh, you never take a day off just think you know well, actually how much better are you going to feel if you did take a day off so um i guess just talking to people listening trying to be positive and just um 
just letting them know that you're there. I think because a lot of times, myself especially, that you feel like you are very isolated, and that people, you know, that you're not worthy of people's time or help. So, I think an important thing is just to let people know that you're there. Um, and then you know, as t- you know, it's not going to happen overnight. But then, it just begins that dialogue. Okay, so. <laughs> There was a you know, there was a hell of a lot there to go through. Um, perhaps to finish us on a potentially lighter note, uh, the question we ask all of our guests: What do you think is the most bullshit thing about running? Oh man, I, there there are a couple of things that really great on me, but and it's not trying to sound like a hero, but the lack of toilets for women in races. Yeah, like we're really lucky as guys that we can. I know we're not supposed to, but just duck in a bush and do a quick wee and then go off and do a warm-up or whatever. But I just find that I've never organised a race, so I'm sure there are various reasons for this, but however many toilets you think you need, just times it by 10. <laughs> yeah, when I was running my first ultra, the uh, woman I was running with had a list, because she'd done it before, of all the toilets on the way, all the public toilets. So we'd yeah. know when we were coming up to a public toilet, and we'd be like, right, we need to use this toilet, and we've got so many miles to the next toilet. Because, yeah, you have to think about those things. Yeah, too. which is nuts, because as guys, I would ne- I've never done that. Because I would, I, in my head, I'm thinking, well, there's, there's going to be a bush I can dive in. Mm-hmm. So either just race organisers to put on more urinal so the guys don't queue for portaloos or just have more portaloos because it just, just doesn't seem fair that just because I'm a man, like, I can go off and have a nice warm up and do a quick wee, but if you're a woman, you have to stand in a queue for half an hour, go, and then come back to the back of the queue. <laughs> and do it again. I guess that's because a lot of race organisers are men, so it doesn't occur to them. Yeah. Well, that's another uh, can of worms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's before you start talking about cross country, which was the other one on my list. Uh, go on, go for that one as well. Just the the cross country, like, well, how we're still having to argue that races should be the same length yeah. is just, you know, if, if women are allowed to run the same 100 mile plus races as men, they can definitely run 8k around a field like do you know what I mean <laughs> and the wound won't fall out or anything yeah and it's, yeah. it is great to see like you know being you have to recognise there are a lot of races now that are you know addressing this and are making changes and I know it's it's easy for us to criticise but there are obviously logistical issues with making races longer and you know uh, volunteers but I think just there just needs to be an acceptance that it is the right thing to do and then we can all come together to overcome the logistical challenges rather than just shooting it down on principle. Um, that's the important thing. I mean, there are lots of leagues now, which like, because I follow the Run Equal, the amazing Run Equal Twitter account. And there are lots of races that are now, uh, leagues that are now changing. So I do think it is just a matter of time. Like it's go, it is going to happen. Um, but you still see some people still trying to argue you know, well, the women don't want to run that far. And it's like, well, they want to run 100K. They will definitely run, you know, maybe yeah. they don't come at the moment because they don't feel welcome. Or I just think, mm. you know, it's going to happen. So let's just all make it happen rather than kind of um, dig our heels in and create just because then it becomes just so toxic on social media. You see these like huge arguments and you just think like it's people just stop listening to each other. But I think if you just accept it's going to happen, and then how can everyone help to make sure it's a success? It would be the better way to approach it, I think. That's fantastic. Thank you very much, Tom. I say you've hit so many points that we've uh, mentioned already mm. on this podcast. So I'm really glad you came on because a lot of the things we've already <laughs> talked about 
and uh, it's glad that they're you know they're out there and they are kind of these issues that are still going on and still being talked about and hopefully being helped at least if not kind of completely yeah. solved so mm. thank you so much for no coming on the show sorry that was more than 10 to 15 minutes so it was a really great interview from tom touching on well really bringing together lots of stuff that we've been talking about our key amy gender's agenda was right in there which i'm very happy about he was all over the gender agenda which is fantastic and uh, ideal guest because we could just let him talk i think he actually takes the record for the longest uninterrupted speech there so that was really great for us yeah this podcast is all about getting other people to fill our time for us with us with their tweets with their interviews (laughs) that we have to do as little work as possible well Stuart does i don't do any work (laughs) no we yeah that's what established (laughs) so Stuart, what have you got coming up next speaking of doing all the work amy thank you for that that was good (laughs) Almost planned it. Um, I'm currently working on entering three teams into different relay events for my club, and just organisation is bullshit. I'm just, uh, it's just very complicated. I've got a trail relay next week with ten people through the Forest of Dean. I've got a super sprint triathlon relay in the Cotswolds, and the Welsh Road Relay Championships as well. All different teams, different people, different places, different events. It's very complicated. I have spreadsheets, though, so don't worry. This is why I didn't volunteer for any of the positions on our club when we became affiliated. No, <laughs> no, because you don't like doing work. I don't like doing work. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like helping people. I don't like giving back to the community. All those things no. I, I, I just tried to stay away from. Uh, the reason I organise things is just basically because I'm impatient and I don't trust other people to do them properly. That's the only reason. I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it because I want to do it and I want it to be done properly. That's why I let you have full control of writing all the show notes and stuff. And I, I just come in at the last sort of 10 minutes before you arrive to do put my input in. Because I don't want to stress you out. I don't want to mess up it up. I just, you know, let you get on with it. Thank you. Yeah, I, it's for you. It's for you. I know you like it. I know you like doing all this stuff. Do you have any bullshit to come, Amy? No, it's just the same old, same old. I'm off to Iceland in, I think it's three weeks now, to run the cool. half marathon. Um, looking forward to it. Yeah, that's it. That's all my bullshit. You're not going to opt out of it to do a games night instead? No, no, no. I don't think there's many hills, so. Is Reykjavik quite flat? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You haven't looked, obviously. No, I'm just going to turn up. <laughs> like anything in life, just turn up, you know? <laughs> Hope for the best. How hard can it be? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's all I've got. So I do need to do a bit, I do need to do some long runs. That needs to happen. Cool. Okay. <laughs> if you want to get in contact with the show, you can tweet us at runningisbs, you can Facebook us runningisbullshit, or you can email runningisbull at gmail.com. Let us know about your bullshit and let us know if there's anything weird of the pinskin man, even though there won't be. Yep. Bye, everyone. Another quality ending. (laughs) Naughty language. Yeah. Uh, Who even has that ringtone? It's not my ringtone, it's my alarm. That's the alarm I set to wake me up to go and do this. That's a horrible alarm. I know, I know. It's like PTSD inducing, right? You didn't get one of those kind of. Doo, 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 no, I need to. I need to be up. Like the adrenaline needs to be flowing for the day as soon as it goes cool. off. So, um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm awake anyway. So.